utilized that will help us be the people that you're calling us to be. We give you glory and we give you praise and we give you thanks. We pray for healing for those who need healing, God, and we pray that your word will accomplish all that you set it out to do today according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you guys. If you could do me a favor and give a hand clap to those who are watching online. We want to welcome you guys um, that are that are watching. Uh, I have the privilege of corresponding with some people, several people um, who are part of our online audience. And I want you to know if you're watching online or listening to this later, we welcome you. We value you. And if you're in the Michigan area of the Royal Oak area, you're welcome to come. Um, if you have the notes or if you like the notes to the Bible study. There are several ways you can get it. One is you can send us an email at connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, uh, at encounter360.org, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at encounter360.org, uh, as well as you can go to encounter360.org, go onto the live stream, and you'll be able to view uh, what we're doing right under the notes. They're downloaded for you. With that being said, uh, let's get into the lesson. We are at Genesis chapter 20. We've seen some interesting things. Um, last week's topic was too hot to handle. Um, there were some things going on in Sodom that were too hot to handle. And so uh, that heat burned them up. Uh, it caused destruction. And today we're going to shift a little bit and go back and take some of the, the story and move it back towards Abraham. A good bit of it was in Abraham, but a lot of it was towards Lot. So today we're going to be looking at some things. And I did title this lesson and it's called, everybody said, Going in Circles. You'll, you'll notice why we say this soon, because if you've been paying attention um, to it, you'll know that uh, Abraham has had some things going on in his life. And we're going to see, has he grown out of them? It's been maybe about 20 some odd years uh, since he's had these problems. We'll see if Abram has grown from those problems. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you. We also want to... Uh, uh, welcome you to put something in the chat and uh, interact with those in the chat room there. Uh, we have lost one of our online viewers. They have gone home to be with Jesus um, and uh, we'll be praying for that family. Um, it's my family and uh, they were a faithful member all the time and they were always giving encouraging statements. So uh, for them and my family, uh, we're keeping you guys in prayer. Uh, welcome for everybody. We have family all over and that's, that's a blessing. How about that? Uh, we're going to start at Genesis chapter 20, starting at verse 1, and we're going to go down. You, if you've been paying attention, you're going to kind of laugh a little bit when you begin to read this because it's going to sound like deja vu. Let's read verse 1. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. Let's continue to read. And there Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. Let's keep going. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did not he say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she say also, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. 
Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all of yours will die. Wow. Do we see anything similar happening again? Any behavior patterns that you see? Can anybody tell me what's similar? Uh, any, anybody notice something similar in Abraham's behavior? He's hiding behind Sarah. He's telling the same lie that he told over what? 20 years ago. And so the question number one says that we see a, that word is pattern in Abraham's behavior. And if we don't learn from our behavior, it will become a pattern that could scar both us and others. Abraham has a character flaw. Everybody said flaw. All of us have issues. All of us have flaws. All of us have things that go on in our life. We are, none of us are perfect, but we're striving every day to be more and more like Christ. But God is trying to show us through his word ourselves. That's why it's ne never good to do a comparative analysis to somebody else. If I compare myself to Victor or to, to Mark or Brother Dave or anybody in the room, uh, that's not really doing anything because they're a flawed individual. That's why it's good to compare yourself against the word of God. This is called the straight edge of scripture. Amen. And it's important for us to do that because if we don't see our own flaws, we won't grow and we may mess up some of the blessings God has for us. We may miss some things that God has for us simply because we did not grow. Now we saw although his, his lie made him rich last time, or richer, that Abraham has tried this once before, and it brought a plague on the house of Egypt, and they kicked him out. And you would think by this time, Abram would have learned, or Abraham this time, he, he's grown now. Uh, and what I mean by grown, he's grown up. He's no longer Abram, he's Abraham. God has given him the promise. He's more, he should be more spiritually mature. He's getting closer to his destiny. Uh, let that be a lesson to all of us that just because you've been in the church a long time, you're not above doing dumb stuff. <laughs> you're not above, above faltering and doing things that you shouldn't do. That just because you've grown in a certain level in God doesn't mean that you can get comfortable because the minute you get comfortable, you will begin to slide back into your own what? habits and so you'll slide back into some old old things you can stay good for a while and it and when we don't learn from that behavior it becomes a danger um and, and that comes up to question number two that abraham not only endangered sarah because he put sarah in danger of being an adulteress and to to have her honor taken he put his wife who he was supposed to protect who he's supposed to love and cherish and protect, he put her out and basically gave her away again for goods. He gave away a woman for goods. <laughs> he gave away a woman to save himself. We have a word for that in our modern day culture. We're not going to use that word tonight, <laughs> but we know what that is. And so it, it might sound a little rough, but that's essentially, is that not what it is? He traded a woman for favor. We have a word for that today. This is Abraham. This is the father of faith. He did it to save himself. 
What does that show you about his character? That although he's grown in age, he's not grown in maturity. And sometimes this is a message to men all over the world that sometimes our age and our maturity level are not the same. You have some 50 year old boys still playing PlayStation, still living in mama's house, still not paying bills, still not handling their business. And, and, but yet they look the part. They act the part of a man, but they don't have a responsibility. The number one part of manhood is responsibility. If, if you wanted to put what does it mean to be a man in one word, everybody said responsibility. Can you feed yourself? Can you take care of yourself? Can you clothe yourself? Can you put a roof over your head? We know ultimately God does those things, but can you as a man use those opportunities he's given you to provide? And also, can you do it to the point where you can provide for others as well? That's what real manhood is. I know the culture says manhood is different, but we see this huge flaw that Abraham hasn't dealt with. And even though he's rich, he's he's had some good accomplishments in his life. He's done some things in life. We see he still has some boyish behaviors. You see that? That sometimes all of us have. Have you ever reverted back in an argument and, and sounded realized that you sounded like a child while you were arguing and you were grown and somehow you you started arguing back? I don't want to hear it. No, I don't want to hear it. No, da, 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 da. And, and, and when you really think back on it, you've gone from being an adult to a child. Why? Because there's some childish things in you that need to be put away. Paul said this: When I was a child, I spake as a child. I thought as a child and I reasoned as a child but when I became a, a man I put away childish things now most people will say that I want to put away these childish things so I can become a man but he's saying I became a man and then I put away this childish stuff which means that it's possible to be a man or a woman acting what childish that's why the name of the lesson tonight is going in circles, because I want us to take a deep, introspective look at ourselves of how our childish behaviors can derail our future. It doesn't matter how old we are. All of us have some little childish behaviors. Some of us might have people we hadn't spoken to in years. That's childish behavior. I'm not speaking to them today. Speak to me. If I see them at Walmart and they're walking down the aisle, I'm going to turn around and pretend I didn't see them, and I'm going to walk the other way. That's what? childish behavior and we see these things that abraham hadn't done so now we see number two abraham has not only endangered his wife he's not only endangered abimelech who is a pretty decent guy we find out um, but he's endangered abimelech's nation and abimelech's house and he's endangered his destiny because god promised him that his seed was going to come from him and it was going to come through who sarah how is it going to come through Sarah if he just gave Sarah away? He gave away his promise. And we'll see this. These are generational tendencies because we see this again, with, with, not with his son Isaac, but with his grandson, what? Jacob. We see that Esau has a blessing and, and he has a destiny as the firstborn. But for a bowl of soup, he gave it what? Away. A grown man with childish behavior. And I keep saying men because these are men in this text. But if you're a woman, you can put woman right there because we all have childish what behaviors. And because he has not dealt with this character flaw, 
it's causing him trouble. Number three says Abraham has been told his wife is a part of his destiny. We just talked about this. Yet he lets his undealt with character flaw almost abort his promises. Can you think of a time when God saved your future from you? Hmm. Gifted enough to get there, but don't have the character to stay there. And God will look beyond those things and sometimes save you. Have anybody ever sabotaged their own self with their behavior because they had issues that they had brother Dave laughing, everybody raising their hand because you knew there were some things in your life you should, you could deal with, but you were so good at the other stuff. You let that other stuff covered up. And, and, and what happens is Abraham could cover it up. He had people following him. He had a following. Remember, he had 318 people that took down all these different kings. Abraham had houses, land, cars. He had whatever he wanted. Abraham had all these things, but it covered up all those things. But what it couldn't stop was his dysfunction coming back to the what? Surface. If you don't deal with your dysfunction, your dysfunction will eventually deal with what? You. He has a character flaw. He likes to lie. He likes to bend the truth. When he gets under pressure, he lies. Anybody in here like that? You tell the truth until you think you're under pressure and you're going to get in trouble. And before you know it, you lying so fast you can't even remember what you said. Sometimes pressure will show us who we really are. Or when you get under pressure, you get angry and you've had an anger issue and you can't deal with it. And all of a sudden, you feel like you've been over this, you've gotten so far, and all of a sudden, you just keep going in these same old patterns, same old circles. Same old things. Can't ever seem to get ahead or progress. You do a little while good in your marriage and all of a sudden somebody do something to get you triggered. Next thing you know, you head it back down this way. You stay on this job for a little while, do pretty good. Next thing you know, somebody say something to you crossway and the police come in and now it's a whole nother world. <laughs> Because there were things that were on the inside. I said that to make you laugh a little bit, but it's really serious. How many times we sabotage our own what? So, can you think of a time when God saved your future from you? I can. I know everybody can. Because just because you're gifted, just because you're talented, just because God made you a promise, doesn't mean you can't wreck your future. Now, if God has a promise, thank God it's not predicated on you. If he has something for you to do, he'll do it in spite of you. But you might still have to deal with consequences. Come here, David. David, I'm going to let your, your seed sit on the throne forever. But you took this man's wife and it wasn't your, he, she wasn't yours. And you killed him. So guess what? The soul will never leave your house. I'm going to leave you as the king, but you're going to have to deal with the what? Consequences. And I can imagine he had to deal with some consequences from Sarah after he had given her away for the second time. Not the first time. I, I don't think you could really get away with that in most cultures the first time. But he gave his wife away for the second time to save himself. Selfish. How many, how many times have we been selfish and we did stuff to save ourselves? She was about right at 100 years old, uh, about at 90, because she's about to have a baby. She's close to 90. And she still looks good enough to where a man says, hey, I'll take her. <laughs> so he's got to be really stupid. Your wife is 90 years old, and fellas still want to marry her. You got a nice-looking wife, and instead of 
instead of loving her and protecting her and fighting to the death, you say, hey, man, I got a nice looking wife. If you let me make it, I'll let you have. But he doesn't even tell her it's his wife. He lies and says it's his sister, which is the half truth being a whole lie. So let's go over to question number four. It said God prevented Abimelech from sin and Sarah from disgrace. Glory be to God that when God has a purpose, sometimes when we mess things up, if God has a plan for something, he can prevent it. Abimelech is unknowingly in sin. He's taken this woman into his harem. She has become his wife. Now, God has made it where, uh, and we don't know how he did that. Uh, it could have been biological, whatever the case may be, to where he can't consummate the marriage. He has protected Sarah. But can you imagine going to bed at night, waking up, dreaming about this beautiful new bride you got that's beautiful even at 90, and you hear, you touch her, you're going to die. <laughs> <clears throat> that's got to be a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> I would imagine that would bother you a, a little, a little bit. And all of this is caused because Abraham didn't deal with his flaws. When you don't deal with the small stuff, it'll become big stuff and it will affect everybody around you. The Bible never talks about big foxes. It says it's the small foxes that kill the vine. It's the small little problems that you say, it's just a little white lie. I just have a temper problem sometimes. I have insecurity and anxiety sometimes. And you don't deal with those things. And when you don't deal with those things, at the wrong moment, they're going to come to a head. And verse 11, I don't know if we read verse 11 uh, yet. Where do we stop? Verse 11. It's, yes, he, he did. Let's read verse uh 11 uh, and, and go down a little bit and it says this well we got to go back up a little bit and go back up to about verse 8 let's start at verse 8 let's ready read so Abimelech rose early in the morning calling all his servants and told all these things in their hearing and the men were very much afraid <laughs> and Abimelech called Abraham and said to him what have you done to us? This is the second time somebody's had to say this to him. Why are you doing this to us? Have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view when you have done this thing? Now, we're going to read this in a second, but I want to stop right there so you can go ahead and queue up. Verse 11, Abimelech is saying, what's going on in your mind? What's wrong with you, fella? What's on the inside of you that would do something that this, this is crazy? You could have got my whole family killed. What is going on inside of you that keeps you doing these things? Now, ask yourself a question. If you're listening online, if you're in the room, if you broke and you don't have two nickels to rub together or, or two pennies, what is going on inside of you that keeps you going through those same destructive patterns? That you work 40 hours a week and don't have any money? What keep, why, why do people keep trying to come to you and ask you, why are you having to rob Peter to pay Paul? Silver and gold, have they none? 
What's going on inside of you that you won't man up and learn to manage your money or protect your family? What's going on inside of you that you can't be faithful to God? What's going on inside of you that you can't control your temple? What's going on inside of you that you can't be gentle and loving to your husband? What's going on on the inside of you that you can be nice to people outside, but you nasty to people that's in your house? What's going on on the inside of you? We got to everybody say, what's going on? That's the song, ain't it? What's, go, what's, what's going on? What, what's going on with you? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves those tough questions if we want to grow because we do not want to spend all our life going around in the same old what? Circles. Our lifespan may not be as long as Abraham. So we can't take 24 years to figure out that we need to grow up. It shouldn't take, we shouldn't be 50 living in our mama's house or anybody's house by that time. You should, unless that's your culture, you should be out and on your own doing what you need to do. You shouldn't be uh, still 50 trying to figure out what you want to do. You should have a good grasp on that. Now, if you don't, you, I'm not going to be condemning. You, you have an opportunity to get up and try again, but you should say by a certain time, you need to have it to what? Gavel, what's going on to you where you can't take responsibility and be men? I see that a lot of time in our culture now that that our men, and I know I'm harping on men, but this is for our guys. I see men starting to take on female qualities. They don't hold responsibility. They're waiting till their parents, I, they could go get a job, but they won't. They wait until they run out of insurance on their parents' insurance. And then they try to do something. That's not responsibility. What's going on with these destructive behaviors and patterns on the inside that you won't deal with them? Abraham is fixing to tell us. Let's see what verse 11 said. And Abraham said, um, they, here it is. Let's read it together. And Abraham said, I said to myself, stop. He said to what? I want you to pay attention to that. His internal voices are speaking to him. How many times have you made an internal vow and said, this ain't going to ever happen to me? Or I'm not going to live like this? Nobody told him Abimelech was going to kill him. Nobody told him that Pharaoh was going to kill him. He said to him what? Self. Sometimes the worst enemy that we could have is the one that's in us. We're not transformed because Romans 12 and 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. He said to himself, let's see what he said. Let's, let's read the rest. There is surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Let's go to verse 12. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. Let's keep going. Verse 13. And it came to pass that when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me. In every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. So this is a long time lie. This isn't an accidental lie. He's playing this out. It's premeditated. Wow. I put this up, uh, uh, question number seven, well, uh, number five, rather. Abraham's insecurity is the voice he heeds. Can you think of a time when insecure inner voices and reasoning caused you to make the wrong decision? When it caused you to treat somebody a certain way because you thought they were a certain way, and as you got older, you realized you were foolish. They wasn't really that way at all. 
or that you thought somebody was your enemy and they weren't even thinking about you. Because you allowed your fears to drive the what? Bus. You allowed your insecurities. How many times do you ever say, they talking about me behind my back? Anybody ever say something like that? No proof at all. They did this to me, or they're going to do this to me, and I got to get them before they get what? Me. This is chronic in people who come out of bad relationships that can't have healthy relationships, and they run back into relationships, be they platonic or be, be they romantic relationships. Why? Because they come out of one bad relationship, and instead of stopping to get the healing and the wholeness they need, they hop right back into a, another relationship, and they haven't gotten over the hurt that they had. And every time Jimmy holds his head to the left, just like Johnny used to, now you want to hit Johnny in the head with the frying pan. He had nothing to do with what Jimmy did to you, but now he can't get a fair shake because everything he does that reminds you of that person, what? It makes you go off. You might have a genuine friend this time, but some things they do remind you of the other person and you abort and wreck a friendship. Why? Because you can't get over your own insecurities because once somebody hurts you, you make those internal vows. I'm never letting nobody hurt me again. Nobody ever treat me this way again. No, nobody ever lie to me like this again. I'm not going to be made a fool of again. They ain't going to embarrass me like that. I'm, I got to be hard so I don't get taken advantage of. I'm, I'm not stooge. And so we become somebody that we really don't need to be to become because we're in a present relationship fighting a previous fault. We fighting the wrong people. And the biggest fight we have is right in between our ears. What is your mind doing? That's how Satan gets you. Satan gets in your mind. It's a battle of the mind. He, he's, you're in a constant fight for your mind. When he, if he can get your mind, he can get you. Lamar's a pretty big fella. I, I watched him at work one day with some big old boxes moving that stuff. I said, good night, that's a strong fella. Moving that stuff like he wasn't even, even moving. He's a big, tall fella. He's pretty powerful. But guess what? If you get in his mind, it, no matter what he does, he won't be able to function. You do it all the time on the basketball court. We what? We trash talk. Why are we trash talking? Because we're trying to get here. And if I can get here, it doesn't matter what kind of skill you have. Your you can't go any farther than your mind lets you go. So you, until you regenerate your mind, you're going to keep going in the same old patterns and the same old habits and the same old circles. And if you don't deal with it, come here, Jacob and Esau, it will show up again down the line. Some of the same things that showed up in Abraham showed up in his family. How do we do it? The renewing of our mind. That's why it's important to digest this word and get this word in our mind. Because if we're ever going to grow to the point where God wants us to grow, we've got to learn to renew our mind and we've got to get out of those same old habits. He said to himself, Abimelech's actually a good guy. And he convinced himself beforehand that Abimelech is evil. We're going to talk about prejudice and partiality Sunday in the book of James that you, you judge something before you get to know him and now you're treating him in such a way that is inconsistent with his character because you have prejudged his character. Oh, how many times have we prejudged people? All of us have prejudice in us. Never judge a book by its cover. Read the page. Get to know somebody's story before you start to judge them. They may be acting a certain way. Get to know them before you start to judge them. You don't know where they come from. You might be looking at where they are and saying, man, that's a bad place to be. But you don't realize they here, but they came from the floor. 
So they made a major improvement and they're on their way up. And when you prejudge them, you might treat them in such a way that will send them back down to the floor. That's why in the church, we have to have an atmosphere of love. And I'm glad this is a loving church because some people are going to come in here that aren't going to look like churchy people. And I want them all. I welcome them all. Why? Because you don't know their story. You don't know where they came from. And God loves them all the same. He wants them to come in. But we got to be careful not to judge a book. The church at large by its what? Cover. Everybody said, don't judge a book by its cover. Read the pages. Somebody put that in the chat room if you're watching online. You need to read the pages of somebody's life before you start to judge them. And, and, and this is what's called him. Yes, she is his half-sister. It's his father's daughter. Uh, and before we go too far, this is early in the genetic line, and this is something that, that does happen. It's not the best thing, but this is how, how this has, tends to happen. They don't have the same mother. She's his half-sister, and he's used that as deception to save himself. So Abimelech does what, what any, any man would do after he goes to sleep, and he hears, you're going to die if you touch this woman. He says, y'all got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need to leave. Uh, and so uh, verse 14, let's read verse 14 and say, uh, oh, no, 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 I need to stop. I need to stop because this is good. We, we've got to get to this. Um, not only that, but verse 6, Abraham has maximized his fear and minimized his trust in God. That's what number 6 is. He's allowed his fear to be amplified. He's allowing his fears to drive the bus and he's minimized his trust in God. God has already gave him a promise. If God's given you the promise, why are you acting against it? And we see this consistently against him. I'm going to make you a great nation. Great. So I'm going to take my wife's maidservant and I'm going to make a baby. I didn't tell you to do that. You're trying to fix it yourself. You have fear because you're getting old and you're acting out of what? Fear. Now it's causing you problems in your house because your wife and your baby mama can't get along or your two wives. You have an issue because you minimize God's voice and you maximize the voice in your head. I don't know who's listening to me, but you need to stop listening to those voices in your head that tell you that you're horrible and you'll never make it. And God doesn't love you. Yes, God does love you. You've got to learn to turn the volume up on God and turn the volume down on you. Everybody say, turn God up. Turn me down. Because we are destroyed sometimes by improper thoughts in our mind. We'll prove it by scripture. Yes, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We cast down every vain thing and the high thought and high imagination that raises itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into obedience to Christ. In other words, you can't stop those thoughts from coming, but you can manage them when they get there and you can kind of send them out the door. And, and they could, that sometimes you have negative thoughts and you say, you know what? No, not today. You're not going to get me today. You, it's time for you to go. Let me usher you on out. You become an usher then. You might not have ever ushered at the church, but you need to usher every day because there's some thoughts that are sabotaging your life that you need to usher out the door. Amen? Amen. Verse 7, or, or not verse 7, but number 7 says, Abraham used Sarah as a shield to save himself. We're going to go on and read at verse 4 uh, uh, what he said. I, I want to get into this verse 13. Let's read verse 13 and see what, what, uh, what he says. This is crazy. Go to verse 13. It says what? And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show that you love me. Now, let's stop right there. 
This says Abraham used Sarah as a shield to save himself. He used a common lie. If you love me, you will. Anybody ever heard that lie? Anybody ever told that lie? <laughs> if you love me, you will. This is manipulative behavior. He, he's, he, he hadn't grown out of everything. His job is to protect the female, and he's using this to make the female use herself and her body for his own advantage. That's childish behavior. Wow. I say that again because it got quiet. My guys look at all my guys over here looking mighty hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it does go back to that word. You 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 making her use her body or take advantage of herself or put herself in harm's way. How many times have we made other people put themselves in a precarious position because we wanted something? And it doesn't have to be physical. How many times have you blown all your money and then somebody else worked hard for theirs and you go back to mama and, and start what we say in the South, pole mouthing, mama. Mama, I need some money. What you do with your money? Uh, I haven't got paid yet. You don't tell mama that you blew every dime you had and that you spent everything and that you're not a good steward. Now mama has to pay her bills, but mama's never gonna let her child go without. So she will make herself go without to help you while you know you, you, you're playing on mama's affections and you weren't a responsible steward. Has anybody ever done that before? Childish what? Behavior. Or has anybody ever been that mama before? That keeps enabling that irresponsible child instead of saying, you need to grow up. <laughs> Have any of us ever done that? And been manipulated? How selfish it is to manipulate people for your own gain. To play on people's heartstrings. To play on people's emotions. So you can have your way. If you love me, you'll sacrifice yourself for me. If you love me, you'll do what makes you uncomfortable to make me happy. If you love me, you'll be taken advantage of so I can be happy. Wow. You see this in the text? We're not making this up. That's powerful. He looked at his own wife and said, if you love me, lie for me. And put yourself in harm's way. Well, this is not the last time we'll see this in the book, uh, in the Bible, because we'll see in the book of Acts, this guy named Ananias. And he tells his wife, we need to lie about what we're going to put in. And not only does it end up getting him killed, but his wife pays the price too. As men, if somebody pays the price, let it be us. We are the protectors of our family. We should be there to love and to protect. And everybody that's Christian should be there to love and protect. But how many times have we found ourselves in childish behavior and manipulated people to do stuff that benefited us? Some people have lost friendships because you took more than you gave. Some of us are, are taking advantage of the kindness of other people. 
knowing we promised to do this. I've been a landlord before. How many times have people said I need a place to stay? Put a, let you put a roof over their head and then I pay you a dime in return. That's wrong. And they manipulate you and they pull on your heartstrings and make you feel sad. Oh, don't put me out. Don't, don't evict me. And you don't want to do it, but you have a responsibility to other people and helping you is hurting me. You do not, we, yes, as Christians, we're called to be selfless. Yes, we're called to put other needs above our own and others and hold others in high esteem. But that does not mean submitting ourselves to abuse all the time from selfish people. We have to set healthy boundaries. There are no healthy boundaries in this marriage. If there were, after the first time, it probably would have been, no, nah, we, we're, not, we're not going down this road again. I know we decided we're going to, I'm not telling this lie again. Do you know what almost happened to me the last time we told, no, I'm not doing it. But she allowed herself to go down this road. Let's continue to go. Wow. Because I want to spend my last 10 minutes on these, these other two things. Can somebody give me some examples of manipulation? How people manipulate people and use their emotions to take advantage of them? I just gave one, not paying rent or loafing. They keep asking you for things and you give it and they know they have no intention of returning those things. They keep asking you for mercy. And, and Jesus says that sometimes Jesus says, if your brother takes your cloak, give him your coat. In other words, you have a free heart. It, it, don't let the manipulation of other people uh, make you bitter. Don't let them make you that, you know. But at the same time, we have to use wisdom that, of our resources. You can't take advantage of people for your own gain. It's not right. And God sees those things. Let's keep going. Verse 8, and we're going over to another scripture now because we pretty much read this. As a matter of fact, we'll finish this up and then we're going to go to these scriptures because I want to spend my last few minutes on this. Let's go to verse 14. What does it say? Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord has closed up the womb of the house of Abimelech. Because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. We don't know how long that they played the charade, but long enough to know that he couldn't, he, nobody was having any kids. He cut up the fruitfulness of their house because of this lie. Wow. Going in what? Circles. But here's the crazy thing. Did you remember what happened in the, in the dream? He said, go to him for he is a what? Prophet. And I have him pray for you. You mean the one that lied to me? Yep, yep, that's the one. <laughs> I got my hands on him. He, he, he a little silly sometimes. 
Oh, thank God. I'm going to verse 10 so we can come back up to the weather. This is an encouragement that even with our flaws, God keeps his promises. That sometimes God uses us in our imperfection. Oftentimes we think we need to be perfect for God to use us. That's far from the truth because there are no perfect people. Some people's flaws are just more visible than other people's flaws. That does, that's not an excuse just to live a raggedy life. But at the same time, it should be encouragement that if we mess up and we're not perfect, not to run from the church, but to run to the church because God can use you. Just start where, if you have a mind to get what? Better. Not to go into hovering pattern and holding pattern. Now we're going to go over to uh, number eight. And it says growth spiritually requires honesty and accountability. And we're going to pull up Hebrews chapter five. We're going to the New Testament for a second. Hebrews chapter five, verse 11 through 14. Let's read it. It's on the screen. It says what? We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. This is a rebuke. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by the constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In other words, that you should constantly be growing in God. Growth requires, spiritually requires honesty. You got to be honest with yourself. Don't try to pretend that you're somebody that you're not. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. If you're a liar, say, God, I'm a liar. If you're a fornicator, just be honest. Say, God, I'm a fornicator. I have a problem with fornication. Don't try to pretend and say, the Lord knows my heart. I'm just having a struggle with my flesh. No, you're not having a struggle with your flesh. You're not struggling at all. You submit to it every time you get the chance. There's no struggle at all. <laughs> you're not sorry you did it. You're sorry you got caught. So now, let's be honest. God, I got this problem. Help me to what? Deal with it. You have to be honest with yourself. You cannot be helped by God until you're first honest with yourself. Sometimes he says, be ye hearers of the word and not uh, do, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. It does you no good to come here every week and just listen to the word of God and then come out and do the same old thing every week. You're fooling yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You should be coming to get better. We all should be coming to get better, myself included, to be get better because we all have room to what? Grow. None of us are be above reproach. None of us are, uh, a better word would be, none of us have yet attained. We still have growth. Then you have to not only have honesty, but you have to have accountability. I I'm going to require, I require more out of certain people than I do out of others. There's a different level of accountability. If you, if, if, if you, uh, if you're a new member or you're a new Christian, a new convert, there's certain things and certain behaviors I expect new converts to do. Sometimes as pastors, you expect somebody to tell you they're going to be somewhere and not show up. You expect them to be inconsistent. You expect them to be not faithful. Sometimes they're growing, they're learning. You don't want them to, but you're encouraging them. But if somebody been in the church 10 or 15 years, that's a different thing. You should be in a position where you're training and leading somebody else. You shouldn't be here 10 years and still acting like the brand new convert that just came to the door. Because if you have, we're going to go over to 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, and let's see what that is. That's where we stop. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be right on the clock. 13, 
and 5. Let's read this together. It's on the screen if you don't have it. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 says, well, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do not realize that Christ, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test. Is Paul talking to sinners? No, this is a letter to the church at Corinth. He's telling church folk, some of you in here think you're saved. You're not saved. Some of here and some of you in here think you're spirit filled. You're not spirit filled. There's a difference. My spiritual father used to always say this. There's a difference between weak and wicked. Now, what does that mean? When you're weak, that means you have issues and flaws and you're in a constant struggle like the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. I have imperfections. I'm honest about them. You don't have to tell everybody. It's not everybody's business, but you need somebody that you're accountable to. You need somebody, a brother, or if you're a man or a sister, if you're a lady, that you can go to and say, I have this struggle. And you need somebody that can speak into your life and say, you need to get yourself together. You need somebody that can hold your hand at the elementary level, but also that's strong enough to say, we've been dealing with this long enough. So it's either time to put up or shut up. It's time for you to come on up a little higher. You've been here too long to, to be broke. You've been here too long to still be dealing with this, this bad relationship. We're not going to talk about you in and out of beds anymore. No, it, that, it's time out for that. It, you need to grow up or you need to decide what you're going to do. And Paul is telling them, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. Because you could be chaff instead of wheat. If you can continue to do the same old things all the time and you've been in the faith for years now some of it is not life or death and and salvation or, or not salvation so don't mishear me but in some things yes if you've still been having a problem with fornication and hopping in and out of beds that's not your own and it's been 10 years you need to examine yourself if you lie so much that you believe your own lies you need to examine yourself. If you're still dealing with anger, now some people may need some counseling for some other issues or whatever the case is. But if your behavior does not look like somebody that's regenerated after a certain amount of time, you might need to ask yourself, why did Jesus curse the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree not because the fig tree was supposed to be given figs, because it was out of season. He cursed the fig tree because it had leaves look like it was supposed to be something that it was not. Now, it's different when you're a baby Christian. I want people to hear this. So don't feel condemnation if, if you got some struggles and some issues you're still struggling with. God can help you to work through those. Continue to work through those. But if it's been 10 years and there's been no change and you're the same Victor that you were when you walked in this door or the same Lamarck that you were when you walked in this door, everybody say, examine yourself. Going on in that circle. If you keep looking like a Christian, but acting like a sinner. If it looks like a duck. <coughs> and this is what you need to know. Being a Christian is not perfection. Because being a Christian realizes that I'm not. And I need a savior. But if you are truly saved and the Holy Spirit is working in you. I should see some type of progress in your life. I was talking to Brother Dave the other day, and I said, for the people that work in leadership with me, I don't demand perfection. I command progress. I don't demand 
that you be the perfect person and don't have any flaws, any hangups. Jesus had people on his squad cutting people's ears off. But you see them progressing across after a while, wise, kill and eat, that Peter's now talking to Gentiles and he's doing things a different way. He didn't stay the same what? way. He went, and, and what do you want to do? You want to, you want to take somebody who's going on a spiritual war, a holy war. Paul's going around killing people, rounding them up. I can use you. You're in a bad place right now, but when I take these scales off your eyes, you're not going to end up the same way. Christianity is about growth. Everybody say growth. And that's how you get out of the circle. You grow out of the circle. And the only way you can grow out of the circle is thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You got to love God's word. And when you love God's word, you internalize God's word. And not only do you internalize it, but once you read the word of God, you don't just keep it there. You go find you somebody that can hold you accountable for your bad behavior. If you got a friend and you got yes people around you, those are the people you need for discipleship because the second principle in ours is to reach the lost. But the next thing is to what? Teach the found. It's discipleship. What is discipleship? Discipleship is discipline and growth, which means that your goal and when you come to this church, I don't know what other churches, but if you come to this church, number one, if you're lost, we want you saved to know the love of God. But once you're saved, we want you growing. We want you growing, not just so you can say you're holy, but it's for your good. Because guess what? Abraham if he doesn't change his behaviors, you seek and destroy him with self. That's why God hates sin so much. Sin destroys us. The wages of sin is what? Death. He's not being negative when he's telling us not to sin. He's doing the same thing that I do when I have little babies and I go and buy those little those little things to put in the electrical sockets. Or when I when I buy up, buy up those little things that keep them from going down the stairs. Why? They might think it's bad because daddy is restricting me. Dad is keeping me from doing what I want to do and having fun. No, dad is keeping you from killing yourself. The word of God is protection. That's why we should love his law. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, nor standeth in the way of the sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Why does he do it? What's the result of it? It said, he shall be like a tree that brings forth, planted by the rivers of the water, that brings forth his fruit in due season. His leaves shall never dry up and wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. If you want a prosperity gospel, here it is. Live according to the word of God. Live according to the will of God. You may never have a dime in your pocket, but you'll prosper. You'll be happy. He'll prosper those that love him. And that's not always financially. Sometimes that's in peace. Sometimes God may not give you the money, but he'll give you the favor and let you do more with the favor he gives you than most people that have money. If you love his word, and you love him enough. Do you? Oh, Jesus. For years, my spiritual father. He put this big banner up on the wall. And when he did, I really didn't understand it. Because it was a long statement. But when you walk in, you probably can see this banner still falling down. Coming down from uh, long. It's huge. It's gigantic. And it just simply asked one question. Do you love God enough? To be told the truth about yourself. 
He started to sit. The whole statement is Jesus Christ. Here it is years later. 20 years later, I still remember that. Jesus Christ showed us unconditional love. Do you love him enough to be told the truth about yourself to be effective in his ministry? God wants to use some people. He wants to bless some people. But he's got to get some mess out of you first before he can use you. Because if he doesn't get it out of you at this level, when you get to a larger level, you'll self-destruct. God, why am I not being used? Why I feel like I'm dejected and I'm, I'm upset because you're not opening up these doors for me. You don't realize God is just like I am with those little babies. He's holding the gate there because you're not ready for it. And if he gave it to you right now, you would destroy yourself. God, why am I struggling and I, I can't get a better job? Because you can't manage $5. How are you going to manage $5 million? You would just destroy yourself. He's waiting for you to get some things out of your, your life. And when you learn to grow up and get out of the same old circle, then he'll give it to you. He's a loving father. He's not going to give you something that would destroy you. Somebody saying, God, why don't I have a bigger ministry? Because there's some character issues and I might have that set up for you, but you got to get some things out of your life first. Because you can mess up on a small level and you might recover. But there are some levels that you get to, there are no return. Somebody says, God, thank you for keeping me small. Thank you for letting me keep your, your, your grace upon me and allowing me to fail at a small level where nobody knows my name. So when they do, I'll be mature enough to handle it. Jesus. Wow. If this blessed you, somebody say in the chat, it blessed me. If it blessed you in here, just wave, wave your hand. This is, this is blessing me. God is helping us. Jesus. That we all have growth that we could do. Oh, Holy Spirit, I feel your presence in the room. I thank you. Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word and your grace. And we thank you for speaking. I pray that something has been said that will touch our hearts and our minds. And God, if somebody's watching right now, all those that are watching online, Lord, I pray that you bless them and help them to let them know that you're not hurting them, but you're helping them by calling them up to a higher standard of living, that you're helping them by pulling them up out of the muck and mar of the sin and unconfessed sin and undealt with sin in their life. Lord, I thank you that you're letting those of us who are already saved know there's still some sin in our life that needs to be dealt with, that we might not be punished for our sins because of your blood, but we can be punished by our sins in this world and that we need to extract those things out of our life so they won't be harmful to us, Jesus. Thank you for that. And I pray your blessing right now that this, this message will bless many, many thousands of people. However many you call for it to bless, help us, God, to be closer and more like you so that we shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of the water that bringeth forth its fruit in due season, that our leaves will never wither or dry up. And Lord, that prosperity, true biblical prosperity, will follow us all the days of our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. If somebody doesn't know Jesus, we pray that they come to know him today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise.